time is now six o'clock. Welcome to WORT's local news for Tuesday, February 27th. I'm your host, Christian Knudsen. And I'm your host, Sarah Hopeful. In tonight's news, Madison is celebrating the hiring of a new school superintendent. AUW Madison glass blowing professor is displaying her work in a new exhibit. And in the second half, we share details about a new UW online degree program and share local wildlife patient status updates. This is Christian Knutson and Sarah Hopeful with your local news, coming to you live from the WORT studios in beautiful downtown Madison. Here are tonight's headlines. After years of conflict in the courts and state capital, Wisconsin has new legislative district maps, but they weren't free. Redistricting consultants hired by the state Supreme Court to review various proposed maps have submitted a bill for $128,000, the Associated Press reports. Taxpayers could be on the hook for a big chunk of it. The court's liberal majority tossed out existing Republican-drawn maps last December as unconstitutional. The justices contracted with two academic experts to evaluate new options, including maps submitted by Democratic Governor Tony Evers and Republican lawmakers, as well as others. The legislature and governor eventually settled on Evers' maps, which he signed into law this month. The bill for the redistricting experts' analysis will be split between all the parties who submitted maps, meaning the the governor's and lawmakers' portions will be covered by taxpayers. Meanwhile, in 2023, Republican lawmakers signed contracts with lawyers to defend the maps that were found unconstitutional with a cost that could reach up to $1.8 million. Republican lawmakers aren't giving up the fight to remove Wisconsin's top elections official. Legislative leaders say they plan to appeal a January court ruling that kept Wisconsin Election Commissioner Administrator Megan Wolf in her job, reports the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Republicans have been working for months to oust Wolf after her most recent term ended last summer, and bipartisan Election Commission members failed to reach a majority vote on reappointing or replacing her. A judge ruled last month that Wolf can legally continue in the position. Wolf and the commission have been under fire from supporters of former President Donald Trump since the 2020 election, about which Trump continues to spread lies. Democratic Governor Tony Evers is promising to veto a Republican-backed bill to clean up so-called PFAS forever chemicals in Wisconsin. The measure would make $125 million of state funding available in the form of grants to help local governments and property owners address PFAS contamination, the Associated Press reports. But Evers and environmental groups have expressed concerns that the bill would limit state regulators from holding polluters accountable for putting PFAS into the environment. Evers reiterated today that he will not sign the plan, but if he and Republicans can't agree on a compromise, the $125 million could sit unspent indefinitely. If you're in southern Wisconsin right now, you're living through the largest single-day temperature swing in the region's recorded history. Temps topped out Temps topped out today at 69 degrees in Madison and 73 in Milwaukee, reports the Wisconsin State Journal, citing the National Weather Service. By the wee hours, the temperature will drop to a low of 16 degrees, accompanied by the possibility of severe storms. Madison is set to see a high in the 20s tomorrow with a mix of rain and snow as well as high winds. The unprecedented fluctuation caps off what has already been a record-breaking winter in the area, the warmest ever. Dane County is closing out Black History Month with a public celebration of local leaders and trailblazers, according to a press release. The event will feature a documentary film screening, a lecture, and the unveiling of a commemorative stamp honoring civil rights pioneer Constance Baker Motley. 
It's free and open to the public this Thursday, February 29th, starting at 6 p.m. Members of the Madison Plan Commission have given the green light to demolish a block of downtown buildings, including the former home of the beloved Silver Dollar Bar, the Wisconsin State Journal reports. The commission voted last night over objections from the Madison Trust for Historic Preservation, which argued the five buildings on the 100 block of West Mifflin Street have historic value, but a lack of a formal designation means they are not protected. The approval marks the end of a decades-long push from a powerful local developer to raise the block, a developer who just this month also announced his bid for U.S. Senate. An article out today from Rolling Stone reports on how Hovde Properties, owned by Republican Senate candidate Eric Hovde, spent years ramping up pressure on the owners of the Silver Dollar to sell so the block could be redeveloped. Hovde is seeking to unseat Democratic incumbent U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin. And those were your local news headlines. We now turn to two special guests in the studio, Katie Georgella and Sean Bolt, who want to tell you a little something about the WRT Winter Pledge Drive. Hi, folks. You got Sean here, Katie, and uh, Dave running the boards, and Michelle about to take your phone calls. As you probably know, WORT is your community radio station. Uh, that's not just a slogan. We are run in large part based off your community donations. So uh, that's what we're doing today. And for the next little bit of time here, uh, we, we want to talk to you about how you can donate, how you can help us directly uh, keep the station going and do some great things coming into the future. Yeah, I um, am the news engineer for Wednesday nights. And so I get to listen to Democracy Now!, and the local news every single week, which I really love. I love the contrast between uh, Democracy Now! and the global events they discuss, and then switching to the 6 p.m. local news and how you can hear what's happening here in Madison. So it's one of my favorite things about WORT. I also really like the the sense of community. I've made a lot of friends since uh, starting to volunteer here. And my favorite thing is um, I found out that one of the reporters... I used to live across the street from them, and I never would have known that if not for WORT. That was that was mind-blowing to discover. So if you um, are interested in helping out WORT, uh, as Sarah said, we are in the middle of our winter pledge drive. You can go ahead and call 608-256-2001. If you hit extension 1, that should take you straight to Michelle on the lobby. She is excitedly awaiting your phone calls. Or if you'd rather, you can go on to wortfm.org and go ahead and donate there. So um, that's kind of what I love about WORT. Sean, do you have some favorites? Yeah, I mean, I myself am very much rooted in the 6 p.m. local news show. Uh, I was a feature contributor here before I switched over to mostly uh, substitute hosting the news when the regular hosts need a break now and then. Um, I love how the 6 p.m. news is structured as far as, you know, you get so much uh, local reporting from your your volunteers and your staff here at WORT. Um, you, you get news that may not be commercially viable uh, as far as our local TV and radio stations otherwise might be concerned. Um, and, and that leads to some really unique reporting. Then in the back of the hour, we get all sorts of features and that's, that, that's really allows, we're allowed to platform some really unique voices and, and get some you, you always learn things about our community and uh, just 
I don't know. There's there. I always come away with with something new every time from listening to this. The night yeah, here. I appreciate how um, WRT will kind of dive into things that a lot of other stations would not consider newsworthy. It's not breaking news, but it's still important local happenings that are just, you know, um, interviewing snowplow drivers is one of my favorite things that I've heard on the radio because that's something that you don't think about all the time. But that is important. It's happening in your community. And that's something that I'd love to report on. Yeah, so if you want to be able to help us out with that, uh, we just need a few donations this hour. You can be uh, one of those people. Uh, you can tell us when you donate uh, what you love most about WORT. Give us a message to read on air. We would love to do that for you. Uh, call 608-256-2001, extension 1. Michelle would be happy to talk to you and help you through the donation process. Or if you feel like you'd rather do it uh, quickly online, that's that's available to you too, wortfm.org. Uh, if you do that, you've also got the opportunity to uh, get some rewards for donating. Yeah, we have quite the incentives. I mean, you can give out of the goodness of your heart, or you can give out of the goodness of your heart, but get a bonus gift. Um, I won't judge your incentive. If you're doing it just for the gift, I will still happily take your donation. So we have quite a few things for many different um, pledge levels, all the way from, we have a $30 level all the way up to 110, which is actually only, if you do the math, $9 a month. Uh, if you pledge $9 a month, very small money. Another weirdo for Wart hoodie is the design for this winter pledge drive. We have, I believe, a new design every single pledge drive. This is designed by P.S. Mueller, who has um, done a lot of work for the Isthmus, the New Yorker, as well as the Onion. It's a mid-weight 50-50 cotton polyester hoodie. It comes in uh, denim, charcoal briquette, cardinal red, or olive. So if you are interested in perhaps getting that as a fun bonus for donating, you can go ahead and call 608-256-2001. Talk to Michelle, and she will be happy to take your call. Again, that's 608-256-2001. Yesterday, the Madison Board of Education announced Joe Gothard as the district's new superintendent, marking an end to a nearly year-long search. WORT news producer Faye Parks has the details about this approved contract and the community's reaction to Gothard's homecoming. Last night, members of the Madison School Board unanimously approved Dr. Joe Gothard's contract as the district's new superintendent. As the only candidate with Madison roots among three finalists, Dr. Gothard's homecoming was a popular choice among the city's residents. Some took to social media to advocate for his hire, inspiring a Facebook hashtag, Bring Joe Home to MMSD. Community members in support lauded his Madison roots, working as a teacher and eventually as a principal at Toki Middle School and La Follette High School. Others threatened to launch recall campaigns against board members if he wasn't hired. In last night's meeting, school board member Elie Muldrow echoed the community's sentiments. I am tremendously grateful for my fellow board members and for the opportunity we have in this moment to vote and approve this contract to vote for somebody who went through our system, who taught here, was a principal here, and was just named Superintendent of the Year. Dr. Gothard received that national award just a couple of weeks ago for his work as Superintendent of St. Paul Public Schools, a position he's held for more than six years. Before that, he headed up the Burnsville-Egan Savage School District, a smaller district also in Minnesota. 
In a special meeting, the school board approved Dr. Gothard's contract. Under it, he slated to receive $299,000 in his first year, marking one of the highest paid governmental employees in the city. In raw numbers, that's $19,000 more than the district's last permanent superintendent, Dr. Carlton Jenkins, received when he was hired in 2020. But the skyrocketing rate of interest in the past four years means that it's about $24,000 less in buying power. Dr. Gothard will also get similar benefits as Dr. Jenkins. That includes a relocation stipend, transportation stipend, 30 vacation days, and a monthly residency bonus if he continues to live within district boundaries, among other benefits. Michael Johnson is president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club Dane County. He says he supports the board's decision and that he and Dr. Gothard have personal and professional ties going back many years. He was a principal at La Follette where we partnered with him on the Abbott Tops program and was just really impressed with his leadership back then. You could just tell from the response of teachers and other educators around the city, they enjoy working with them. Down to earth guy, no nonsense type guy, but knows how to get things done. During the superintendent search, the MMSD school board and community members outlined one of their main priorities, longevity. That's after the district has had two permanent and two interim superintendents in the last decade. Johnson says soon-to-be superintendent Gothard is likely to stay in the role for longer than his predecessors. The average superintendent usually lasts about two and a half years. You know, in some of the places he's been at, you know, whether it was in, you know, Madison or, you know, in St. Paul, he's been in those roles for a while. Kaleem Kerr is the founder and CEO of One City Schools, a nonprofit that operates two charter schools in the Madison area. He also knows Dr. Gothard personally and says he encouraged him to apply for the job after former superintendent Dr. Carlton Jenkins announced his retirement. According to Kerr, the long hiring process has ultimately worked in everyone's favor, as at the time, Dr. Gothard was hesitant to uproot his family from their life in Minnesota. So he's like, I gotta see this through. But I think Madison, the timing was right where they took a little bit longer, hired an interim, and it allowed him to get his son through high school graduation. Kerr also says that while Dr. Gothard's tenure in St. Paul is commendable, he learned just as much as head of the smaller Burnsville-Egan-Savage School District. You have to do a lot of things that large district superintendents don't have to do. You have to pay attention a lot more. You don't have 15 people in your HR office, you know? And so he really understood to learn the job. Another of the board's priorities is to bring up Madison's standardized test scores. According to the latest data from the state's Department of Public Instruction, the district is still recovering from the effects of the pandemic. And the racial disparities are pronounced, with white students scoring above the state average in math and language arts, and black students scoring well below. According to CARE, Dr. Gothard is equipped to address these disparities. But he also says that folks need to be patient if they want to see results under Dr. Gothard's new administration. The test scores will come if we focus on the foundation, we focus on building the culture, and then we also focus on making sure that we've got the resources in the community behind us. If we get that, man, the results will come. You know, we keep putting points on the board, but Madison has gotten used to marginalizing the people that have the experience because they're afraid of change. The pick means an end to the nearly year-long hiring process launched after former Superintendent Jenkins announced his retirement. 
Under the contract approved last night, Dr. Gothard is slated to start work on July 1st. Interim Superintendent Lisa Kavistad will round out the spring until then. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks. Take a walk through the Arts and Literature Lab in downtown Madison and you'll find paintings, photography, and around 1,000 glass cicadas on display. It's all part of UW-Madison glassworking professor and artist Helen Lee's new exhibit. WRT reporter Ella Saff has more. Glass in and of itself just entranced me because of the nature of the practice as like a really, um, I always, as an educator, I, I call it a movement-based practice, especially like here, homeland of the American Studio Glass narrative, people get really fixated on like the objects that get produced. But if you have a really intimate relationship to the skill of glass blowing, it's a lot more about your ability to move with the material and like read the material. That was Helen Lee artist, designer, and assistant professor of glassworking at UW-Madison. Lee's new glasswork exhibition, titled Exuvier, is currently on display at the Arts and Literature Lab in downtown Madison. Exuvier is made up of three works, titled Brood, Amulet, and Smolder. Through the mediums of glass and video, Lee grapples with concepts of ancestry, identity, and language as a second-generation Chinese immigrant. Brood is the largest work in Exuvier, spanning an entire wall of the exhibition room. It is an installation of around a thousand glass cicadas that are imitating, they're both imitating jade. There used to be this tradition of jade cicada funereal amulets that were, well, they were called tongue amulets. So they were placed on the tongue of the dead as a symbol of rebirth in funereal practices, like way back in Chinese culture. So I'm recreating the notion of that amulet. My rendition is a little bit more abstracted. The form of these is based on an origami fold, so they're a little more geometric and abstracted. In Brood, the cicadas ascend up the wall in powers of two, creating a winding pattern that gives physical form to the concept of ten generations. Amulet, the second work in Lee's collection, also explores the idea of intergenerational connection. Amulet displays a video of Lee and her daughters speaking a Chinese phonetic alphabet dominant in the early 20th century. I guess what became interesting as I researched more about this alphabet was that I always had just assumed that this was like how everyone had always learned Chinese, but it very much so is not. This alphabet that I'm foregrounding was developed in the early 1900s, and it actually tracks to around the time frame of when my grandmother was born. and. My grandmother was like the primary touch point of that second generation back. Also, my relationship to Chinese language basically only exists because she raised me and she only spoke Chinese. So it was fun and exciting for me to realize that I learned a Chinese phonetic alphabet that tracks with like my lived experience of who, like an alphabet that came into being during her lifetime as she was coming into being as well. I am teaching it to my daughter now. At the end of the video, Lee opens her mouth to reveal a golden cicada on her tongue, a reference to the funeral tongue amulets of Brood. Lee says that amulet represents the potential for language itself to act as a form of reincarnation. And I have like a very distant relationship to bilingualism now. Like there was a time where I only spoke Chinese with my grandma and, you know, I spoke it every day, but my life is really different now. And so, you know, now I like I'll joke or quip that like I speak like a five year old or like a three year old now. But Lee doesn't grieve the loss of her grandmother's language. I think there are ways in which because the dominant lens is so often kind of like the generic white American lens, 
there's always this perspective that these experiences of loss are like negative or you know so tragic <laughs> um, but what I'm interested in the notion is, uh, is that like loss is not lack. Lee describes the process of blowing glass as an embodied experience bringing her to new levels of physical engagement as a craftsperson. It has qualities that sort of no other craft material has in the sense of like its optical capabilities, the fact that it is inherently ambiguous in physical form and like state of being. Like you can apply that, you know, to diasporic experience, to gender spectrum, to like any number of things, you know. In the room next to Exuvier is a collection of glasswork Lee curated. The collection, titled Indeterminate Objects, consists of works created by guests Lee invited to teach glassworking over the past 10 years. Lee's job as assistant professor of glassworking at UW-Madison is her first full-time academic teaching position, but she's had around 20 years of informal teaching experience. To Lee, passing on the skill of glassblowing to others is just part of belonging to the community. On one hand, it actually feels embedded in the practice of glass, like it's such a collaborative and communal practice that almost nobody practices it individually. Whether for safety reasons or for the sake of efficiency, glass workers don't work alone, even on projects as personal as Exuvier. Lee's students Abby Sunday and Amber Manns helped create and install portions of her exhibit. Lee's presence at UW-Madison was influential in Abby's decision to study glassworking at the university. UW-Madison's uh, reputation as a glass program uh, really interested me. Um, and honestly, it was it was because of Helen. Helen's reputation as an instructor and as an artist precedes, precedes her. For Amber, everything about being a student of UW-Madison's glassworking program is exciting and an opportunity for experimentation. I think just that there are so many different paths that you can take. That's honestly been one of my favorite things about the program here and especially about what Helen has been working on in the research here is posing glasses, an incredibly interdis interdisciplinary craft and material, and that there are so many ways that it has been used in the past, both in like here at UW-Madison in different research capacities, but also just all of the opportunities that working with the material holds. Both Exuvier and Indeterminate Objects will be on display at the Arts and Literature Laboratory until March 7th. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Ella Saff. We turn now to two special guests in the studio, Katie Georgella and Sean Bull, who want to tell you a little something about the WORT Fall Pledge Drive. Thank you, guys. Uh, Sean Bull here, along with Katie Georgella. Uh, we want to take a quick pause to tell you about our pledge drive, which is going on right now. You can call in or donate online. The phone number is 608 256 2001. Extension 1 takes you right to Michelle, who is uh, eagerly awaiting your calls, and she can help you through the whole donation process. You can also donate online at wortfm.org. Uh, we are well aware that we are not just a community radio station for Madison, but the greater community at large. So we want to issue a challenge for this hour. We want the donation coming in from the farthest distance away from the station possible because we know our signal reaches far and wide across southern Wisconsin and even across state lines. So uh, when you donate, please tell us where you're coming from and we will shout you out on the air. Uh, try to make a contest of it. You know, if you have to drive out a little ways just to be able to donate from farther, go ahead, do it. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of Madisons. I think, honestly, the furthest I've seen since being here today is Mount Horrib, which is 
pretty darn close. It, it is close, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the hills out there mess with the transmission a little bit, but we know we know some of you farther away can hear us. I mean, of course, online is cheating, but, you know, if you're... Uh, if you're way out there and listening to us on the on the web, that counts too. So uh, call it in, and we'll happily shout you out. Uh, leave us a message at at online or over the phone. Yeah, once again, that number is 608-256-2001. Hit extension 1, and that'll bring you right to Michelle to go ahead and take down all your information. We will shout you out at the next break. is now 6:32 and you're listening to the local news on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm Sarah Hopeful here with Christian Knutson. Thanks for joining us. It's time for Cardinal Call featuring news from the Daily Cardinal, UW Madison student newspaper. This week, host Oliver Gerhardt talks with Daily Cardinal reporter Brenna Goking about her a new online degree program from the Universities of Wisconsin. Welcome to Cardinal Call, your weekly dose of UW-Madison campus news from the Daily Cardinal student newspaper. I'm your host, Oliver Gearhurst. On February 1st, the Universities of Wisconsin System launched a new comprehensive online degree program called Wisconsin Online to accommodate students who need virtual accommodations. Today we're joined by reporter Brenna Goking to discuss the online degree program and its place within the UW system. Thanks for being here, Brenna. Thanks for having me. So, what is Wisconsin Online? So basically, it's a like consolidation of previous online degree programs offered by the 13 UW system campuses, just all on one website. There's about roughly 200 programs total. What sort of programs does it offer? So it offers anything from like associates to even it has, I believe, two doctoral offerings, as well as sort of individualized studies, as well as kind of like competency based courses. So people can enroll in courses and gain either certificate or just more general knowledge from the program without getting like an actual degree. In what ways does Wisconsin Online improve on the previous online options offered by the UW system? I think that I could definitely see someone who is seeking an online education and might not know about everything that's out there, especially within the UW system. Just having everything in one place is super duper helpful. Like when I was going through the website, there were so many programs that I didn't even know existed. What is the tuition like on this? So it's different with every program. The ones that I kind of poked around on, it seems like most most of the bachelors range from about 200 to $300 per credit if you're in like a semester program. So you take 15 credits, you pay 15 times whatever the credit rate is. Um, there are also ones where you pay for like a specific access period, kind of like a subscription. And within that period, you can explore all the content. And I think those are shorter for more like certificate types, I believe like around 12 weeks. So in your article, you mentioned a program called UW Flex. Is that related to that? Yeah. So UW Flex, um, from my understanding, is just a program that allows people a lot more flexibility to learn outside of the traditional degree environment. Just a lot more emphasis on learning for either fun or just like personal betterment. 
Uh, in your article, you mentioned the student loan crisis. Could you explain the relation between that and this Wisconsin online program? Yeah, I think there are two big um, things that kind of my, got my attention. The first one is you can do these programs from anywhere. I mean, especially in the state of Wisconsin, when you think about how many people live like up north where there's very little access to UW system colleges, um, I think that opening the doors to people in those places as well as around the country is very important. Also, for financial reasons, a lot of people have to work while attending college. And I think that especially like the master's degrees are very helpful for those people who need to work while pursuing an education because they can kind of do it on their own time. Is there a way to combine the uh, Wisconsin online with an in-person program? I'm forgetting the exact statistic, but I think that only 20% of people enrolled in Wisconsin online are full online students. Like a lot of people will attend like either in-person classes and take some online classes or work and then take some online classes as a part-time student. So it's, it has a focus on improving accessibility to a few groups. Uh, do you want to tell me more about those? Yeah, so the website, um, it makes a point to highlight how both military people like veterans as well as international students and I suppose transfer students as well can receive sort of specialized guidance as they apply. Um, also, out-of-state students, there are some programs where the um, tuition is charged the same for both in-state and out-of-state students, which I think is very interesting. So uh, in your article, you briefly mentioned the that this was for military students as well. Do you have anything on that? So for military students, first of all, on the home page, it even has a specialized button to where military students can receive like additional guidance while applying, which I think is really cool, encouraging people to pursue an education. Also, under like the payment options, it specifically says that I believe it's true for like public in-person schools, too, but military personnel or their family members can receive like free or reduced tuition, and the same is true for Wisconsin Online. Was there anything that you learned over the course of your reporting that stuck out to you? I think just the different offerings of the degrees really stuck out to me. Just there were so many different things. So I study communications, and there were so many different communications degrees offering, even just specializations between campuses that I think are really cool and add a lot of value to the workforce and people's education. Thanks for coming on the Cardinal Call this week, Pina. Yeah, thanks for having me. In other campus news, this spring semester, the Bakke Recreation Center opened a new esports room. The esports room, which cost over $100,000 and features 12 gaming setups, provides a physical space for UW-Madison's esports club to grow their community. In campus sports news, February 14th, the Hockey Commissioners Association announced that Wisconsin goaltender Kyle McClellan is among the semifinalists for the prestigious Mike Richter Award for Best NCAA Division I Goaltender. The winner will be announced at the Frozen Four National Championship in St. Paul in April. In other news, at around 2 a.m. the morning of February 23rd, university police rescued three students who had fallen beneath the ice on Lake Mendota near the Alumni Association building. No one was injured. Despite Lake Mendota not being completely thawed, this winter is warmer than usual, and experts advise to keep off the ice. This has been the Cardinal Call, created by UW-Madison student journalists. Check out more news and stories at dailycardinal.com.
Thank you, Oliver, for that episode of Cardinal Call. We're going to check in now with Katie Drujella and Sean Bull to hear the news from the Pledge Drive. Thank you, Christian. We are here for the Winter Pledge Drive today. It's um, uh, We have quite a few donations coming in this hour. If you want to go ahead and donate yourself, you can call 608-256-2001. Extension 1 takes you straight to Michelle. She's out in the lobby excitedly awaiting your calls. We also have uh, a website, wortfm.org, that you can go ahead and locate yourself to. Uh, go ahead and click the orange banner at the very top and that'll help you navigate the site to donate i think um something i'm really excited about for these donations is that they've helped fund our new soundboards we're getting them installed i believe pretty soon but we've had these same soundboards for a really long time and so through your donations we're able to upgrade our technology and um sean if you want to talk about some of the other stuff that the donations are going to yeah absolutely uh we are saving up for some big things coming up i don't know if any of you have been to the station here in uh, on Bedford Street in downtown Madison, but uh, it's an old building. We are located in a building that is about 80 years old, and we have some improvements that we'd like to make. Not only would we like to, it is necessary to keep our stuff out of the rain and such. Uh, we've got a new roof coming up. Uh, let's see, uh, we are going to replace our windows, which are decades and decades old. Uh, our estimates that we've gotten have said that this will cost up to $20,000 or more. Uh, so we're saving up for that. Um, we've, we've got some leaks, uh, coming into our basement that we'd like to plug, you know, uh, we're, we're doing okay here, but anything that we can do to improve the weather tightness of this building will improve the broadcast directly. Uh, I know from experience, recording some of my old episodes of Parks and Landmarks down in the in the basement studio of the newsroom, uh, you know, I'd have to pause a lot as cars go by outside and, and things like that. And I'm sure with modern, uh, you know, double-paned windows, that's going to help us a lot with uh, sound quality issues like that. And as well as keeping our uh, heating and AC costs down, which is another big expense that, you know, our is just something we have to pay out daily so yeah so if you are looking to help out you can call as i said before 608-256-2001 or head to our website wortfm.org if you personally need maybe a little incentive to donate uh you're in luck because we have some thank you gifts that i'd love to talk about um something we haven't mentioned yet is what i like to call the gift that keeps on giving if you donate to WRT, you can choose um, either Progressive Magazine or uh, Madison Magazine. Um, you can get a subscription that's continually free stuff, essentially, coming back to you. Um, it, I believe you get, with Progressive Magazine, you get uh, six bi-monthly issues, which, as I said, the gift that keeps on giving, if you donate at a certain level, you can go ahead and grab that today. Um, is there something else, Sean, that you have that's a favorite of yours on there? You know, I've been looking uh, at the backside of our page here. We've got a green WRT weekend duffel bag. It's a sort of uh, medium-sized duffel. I know our uh, sort of retro globe logo uh, bags, uh, weekender bags, were very popular in past years. This is this is a new model. Uh, it's It's got a few more pockets. It's like a, a bright 
almost electric green with the uh, WORTFM Globe logo in a black patch on it. It's got, um, uh, it's 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 got more. It's it's more of a, a fabric, a strong fabric than the uh, fake leather that 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 um, bag in the past was. Uh, it holds enough for any weekend getaway. Includes two pockets, an exterior bottle holder, a padded handle, and a shoulder strap, all for comfort and versatility. Uh, this is going to be in very limited quality, available online only. Uh, so that's something you want to check out if you're going that route. We are looking for about three more pledges this hour. Um, I, I've mentioned this before, but this is my first pledge here at WRT. I've only been volunteering here for a couple months, and so I would love to reach the goals that we've made for this hour. Uh, again, that's about three more pledges. And if you are looking to be one of those people, you can go ahead and call a 608-256-2001. Extension 1 will take you right to Michelle. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And now back to the news. This year's winter may be mild, but there are still plenty of wild animals that need care and shelter. On tonight's Wildlife Weekly, feature contributor Jackie Sandberg gives us the rundown on a few rehabilitation patients at the Dane County Humane Society's Wildlife Center. Welcome to Wildlife Weekly. My name is Jackie Sandberg, and I'm the Wildlife Program Manager for the Dane County Humane Society here in Madison, Wisconsin. Each week we choose a topic related to wildlife rehabilitation or the environment, and today I wanted to give an update about what kind of patients we're seeing in care here in the early winter to spring period, because believe it or not, we actually have a lot of animals. We have about 33 animals in care and counting because we've had a number of great releases recently of our songbirds, but we've also admitted a few other new patients. So the fun diversity of wildlife rehabilitators, getting to see so many different animals and different patients coming in really comes down to whether or not you get licensed to specialize and work with birds or reptiles or mammals. Here at Dane County Humane Society, we do uh, have permits to work with all different species for the most part that are native to Wisconsin. The only species we don't actually work with or are not licensed to work with include raccoons, deer, invasive species like English house sparrows or European starlings, mute swans, ringneck pheasant, for example. And we also can't work with skunks because it's illegal to rehabilitate skunks in the state of Wisconsin due to the risk of rabies. That's something that has been in place as a law for a very long time, since the 70s. And although we see less and less of them and less rabies positives in skunks, we see probably more with our bats. It is still something that unfortunately we're not able to, no matter where you are in the state, rehabilitate. So the species that we focus on in our area, which covers most or all of southern Wisconsin, but primarily southwestern Wisconsin, are our songbirds and our reptiles, and then as many mammals as we're able to accommodate. And for the most part, focusing on conservation concerned species like our bats, which are threatened and endangered here in the state of Wisconsin, large carnivores, keystone predators, so fox and coyote, and anything that is you know, a fractious adult mammal that we have uh, space and capacity to be able to care for, which is great. So we see a lot of adult possums and squirrels and rabbits and pretty much all the other common types of mammal species that you see around our area. But the fun part is seeing what different species come in at different times. So right now, when we're in this early winter period, 
It's also been pretty mild this year. We have seen a fair number of birds. So we have cedar waxwings that have already come in. They do stick around if there's a persistent food source for the winter. We've been kind of swimming in morning doves this year. So the interesting thing is that although it's been mild in temperatures, we've still had cold days, frozen temperatures, and all of our morning doves typically come in during this time of year with frostbite on their toes. So I don't know what it is about the poor doves, but their feet are a little different than some of our other birds. They are still perching birds, but I'm not sure if they just don't sit on their feet or something to keep them warm, but we tend to get a lot of tissue die off at the ends of their toes. We have at least five doves in care right now, and primarily everybody came in with issues with some wing fractures and or toes being necrotic with dead tissue where eventually the tips of their toes actually fall off, which is really sad. They do survive through it though, and it's very common. So I don't want it to sound too shocking, but we do have to medically manage it because of the risk of infection. So many morning doves. We also have a good number of raptors. One of our favorites is a great horned owl that was admitted in the last couple of months here that had to have its eye removed on one side by our veterinary team because it was infected and unfortunately was going to cause more pain for that owl. Now, it's a little bit of an interesting kind of philosophical yes or no between rehabilitators about whether to remove the eye of a raptor. Now, it should only ever be owls if it is considered because they use their vision much differently than our hawk species or exhibitors who absolutely need both eyes for like binocular vision to be able to see. However, owls actually operate their eyes independently, so it's more monocular vision. And so there is the thought that since they rely on their hearing more often, depending on species, that there's the ability for them to kind of adapt to being in the wild with one eye being compromised. And we have seen it with a lot of wild birds. I've seen, uh, there was a barred owl in Madison a number of years ago that was surviving quite well with an infected eye, but obviously you don't want to keep it infected because eventually it will lead to further complications. But if it's treatable and you're able to clean it up and get it completely healed, then there's a chance for a longer lifespan. So this owl has been practicing outside in our flight pens, learning how to re-catch mice one-eyed and by listening. And that's been really exciting. We've been tracking all of the behaviors and the progress on our camera system that we have. And we're able to document the progress to the point where he's starting to actually show that he can catch his prey, which yes, are mice. They're very well taken care of mice, but mice that he would normally otherwise need to have in the wild to survive. As rehabilitators, it's always a tough choice. Do you do just give them their typical diet, which might be something like mice or rabbit or something. Again, we have a hard time getting any of that, but we can buy frozen feeder rats or frozen feeder mice. And that's about the best that we can do for a lot of our raptor species besides what they would eat naturally. So in those cases, we kind of have to make do But if you've got a bird like that with an eye injury, you really need to have them testing on an animal that they would eat that is not just a dead frozen mouse. So I know that sounds a little gross, but it is kind of the practical part of being a wildlife rehabilitator for our carnivore species is, you know, what do you have to give them to make sure that they are going to be successful in the wild? So we have our mouse colonies that are wonderfully taken care of by experts. Actually, we've got some really great expert team folks helping to raise them and care for them. But we do uh, use that to be able to help those raptors that truly need it. And so this bird has been able to catch them on the first try for the first time since the eye surgery. And that's been amazing. We also have about five different reptiles or amphibians in our reptile recovery center, including two turtles from last year that got hit by cars that took the whole winter to be able to heal and will be hopefully released here in the spring. 
and then a couple of frogs. We have a, a northern green frog and a gray tree frog. They're healthy, just found in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Usually people's potted plants. And then a small eastern milk snake who's super cute. So those are some fan favorites, but we also have two Canada geese, one that was shot and one that ingested lead, and a mallard duck that was found outside, which we still don't actually truly know what was wrong with the bird. We've run every diagnostic, and it seems to have recovered from whatever it was, but sometimes we just can't figure it out. So we have our mallard, who's going to be released here soon, and then also a really cute kestrel that has a wing fracture that is healing in care, but is taking a lot of physical therapy and still touch and go about whether or not it'll be releasable after its surgery that it had to repair a wing. So besides that, it's a good number of bats that we've been having coming in and out for release and for care. I think that's probably the the most fun update for our winter species. So obviously lots of adults, all adults really, except for uh, potential young baby squirrels that could be coming our way. And then we've had a good number of species in and out depending on weather and temperature and environmental reasons. So keep your eye out for any animals that might be in need of help. We are available. Um, Every day we're open and nine to five are our admission hours. Please give us a call ahead of time though. Our phone number is 608-287-3235. And you can check out our website at www.giveshelter.org. Thanks for listening here today on WORTU with our patient update in the early winter to spring. And we hope that you're out there looking for wildlife and caring for them. So thanks for listening to Wildlife Weekly. We've come nearly to the end of another hour of handcrafted local news here on WORT. Our guests this evening, Katie Dragella and Sean Bull, have one last word this evening and hopefully some people to thank. What's the news, Katie and Sean? Well, there's not much in the way of new donors yet, but we are still hoping for a couple more pledges this hour. You could be one of the people that makes a difference in our community. It only takes a few people to really make a difference and to and to go a long way to paying for our local news and many of your other favorite programs. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, we're talking about some of these extravagant prizes you can get if you donate a big lump sum at once, and that's all fine. But it, even a few dollars a month is perfect. Honestly, if we could get more like that, that goes a long way to helping us. Actually, uh, that, that reminds me. Monthly donations uh, are a great way to help us out. If you if you don't want to give a, a lump sum uh, just the one time, if you commit to donating a little bit each month, that can go a long way to helping us plan because we know we have income going forwards so we can plan out how we're going to use the money that we know is coming in. Uh, Katie, uh, what are some of the ways that we might uh, end up using that money? Yeah, before I get into that, I do want to go ahead and give out the number in case anyone is eagerly awaiting the phone call. Uh, It's uh, 608-256-2001. Extension 1 takes you straight to Michelle. She will help you out with your pledge, or you can go to wortfm.org. Now, the money that you do donate, um, that's going to go to, we just bought new soundboards that I know we've been waiting a long time for. Um, Those are going to get installed pretty soon. We're all pretty excited here at the station, so we could not at all have been able to upgrade our soundboards without your help. Uh, the money also is going to go to, in addition in addition to technology, it's going to go ahead and help out our building. I know we have um, some windows that need repair, some roofing that needs help, and so our building is slowly but surely falling apart, but you... <laughs> 
can help prevent that. Um, we are again looking for a few more pledges this hour, 608-256-2001. If you are feeling inspired, go ahead and call that number and pledge today. And it doesn't have to be the, the change out of your pocket. Uh, there are many ways that you can actually donate. I had no idea about these. Uh, you can avoid capital gains by donating stock. Uh, donate a car you no longer need. Uh, make a WORT a beneficiary to a percentage of your retirement fund. Donate land, a percentage of the proceeds from a house you inherit, a percentage of your life insurance. I have no idea how any of this works, but the people really running the stuff behind the scenes do. So if that's something you think you can do to help us out, great, awesome. Uh, go ahead and donate at uh, 608-251-2000. Uh, two, sorry, 608-256-2001, extension 1, and Michelle can get you taken care of, or wortfm.org. Yeah, we've got about a minute left before this hour wraps up, but we really want to thank everyone who has donated and those who might be looking to. Uh, I think we can all agree that WORT is a very unique station in that it reports on everything, whether other stations would consider it newsworthy or not. It really digs deep into what's happening globally, but also locally and everything in between. So, um, Sean, if you have any final wrap-ups, otherwise I can go ahead and read that number one more time. Yeah, I, I just want to thank you all for listening and everything you guys do, uh, donating, volunteering, it all comes together to make the WRT community a wonderful one to be a part of. Why don't you take us out? Yeah, one more time, that number is 608-256-2001. Extension 1 takes you straight to Michelle or wortfm.org. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll do one final wrap-up with the news, and have a great night. Thanks, Kitty and Sean, and thank you for donating. Make those calls at 608-256-2001. Keep those web donations coming, too, at wortfm.org donate. Thanks for supporting the WRT Live Local News at 6 p.m. Your headline writer this evening was John Klein-Wilson. Saf was your reporter. Oliver Gerhardt and Jackie Sandberg were your feature contributors. Engineer Dave Lawrenson got the news on the air. Faye Parks produces newscast. And Charlie Pittman is the news director at WORT. I'm your host, Christian Knudsen. Thank you to all of you who called in your pledge of support. You make it happen. And I'm your host, Sarah Hopeful. Up next is Spanish language news with Enoestro Patio. Good night.